On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm beyond honored to welcome some folks I highly, highly respect and I'm just so excited to, to Team Shirzai to join us. Aisha and Dean, how are you doing today? We're good. We're, we're, we're so excited to be here with you and, and all that you're doing. Um, when we, you know, when we talk to people, we usually are, you know, very cognizant of who we're talking to and their purpose and their, and their goals. And, and this is not fulsome flattery. It is not fulsome flattery. It's really, you know, um, when people who are in it for the purposes that are higher than their momentary gain, they're here for, you know, for health of their community, for the planet and beyond. Uh, we are more than honored. This is the, this is a collaboration. This is not a conversation. So we'd love to be here. Such a privilege uh, to be here. Thank you for having us, Lori. Uh, well, you're, you're very, very kind. So thank you. Um, you know, and that's just been the joy when, even when I met you in person, it was just, it's uh, such a delight. And um, yeah, and I've only heard amazing things. And I've even connected you, I think, to one of my friends who's also a plant-based neurologist in California. She was so excited. That's <laughs> and right. again, it was just, it's just a delight. So, but we have so much to talk about. Oh my goodness, you guys are constantly doing stuff and busy and uh, your parents, I totally get that. And so let's start with we, your initiatives. And I really want to talk about that. We'll get to the book too. I'm sure there's plenty of other podcasts that talk about that in depth, but I really want to see what you're doing in the community because that's really where we're going to see change happen. Absolutely. That's where our heart is. It is. Um, I'm going to start. And of course, um, um, you, you can expand on it beautifully as usual. But um, uh, so the, the book, um, us, our work, everything serves the purpose of empowering communities. Um, this whole journey started with our grandparents. We're not going to belabor that point. I think many people have heard that, that our, our grandparents, two on each side, died from Alzheimer's. Our first conversation 18 years ago was around the grandparents and uh, what they went through, these this behemoths, these, these giants um, that uh, then lost small bits of themselves to this horrible disease. And our our what we consider our courageous journey where we went to the academic institutions with the right names, but then took the path less traveled, which is to see if we can find an alternative than Aricept and Nemenda and some pills. And by the way, we're not against pills. So for those who think that we're going to throw the baby with, out with the bathwater, they're wrong. We, we think medicine is, has a place, a significant place. Mm -hmm. Science has an amazing place, molecular research. I did two years of research at NIH experimental therapeutics branch doesn't get wonkier than that. I shed the two years with the fMRIs that, that has its place. But I think there needs to be a shift towards prevention and lifestyle science based, mm -hmm. not gimmick based, mm -hmm. not the biohacking and this and that and cleansing and all that stuff. I think I've just lost a, a large audience, but it needs to be comprehensive. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I can totally understand. <laughs> yeah. And, but if it's done in a comprehensive way, by the way, it's free. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to buy our book even. You should buy it because it's supporting the initiative. <laughs> but that's the whole thing, which is um, now we don't need to know what works. I know that there's noise out there that, you know, the meat eaters and the 
and uh, um, um, you know uh, all these people that are as it happens the all the arguments are about, around food right. not how to manage stress or this or that because confirmation <laughs> bias forces people to defend what they like most and they want to make sure that bacon is left as medicine and it's not <laughs> so that said we hope to actually translate this into communities in a way where we meet them and not have them meet us in, a, in, a, in these esoteric, pedantic towers, which use words like esoteric and pedantic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so meet people where they are, meet people where they can do things. One step, one small change, one behavior. At the core of this book, yeah, there are 75 amazing recipes by my incredible um, wife. Culinary artists. Yeah, yeah. but. At the core is behavioral. We're both behavioral scientists. So how do you change behavior? How do you change habits? So that's where we are. That's a lot. Mm. I said a lot. You, want you said it beautifully. Mm. I think that that's so very, very true. Because honestly, this is why I started the podcast five years ago, because I would see these amazing individuals who would lose 200 pounds and were keeping it off for five, six, seven years. I'm like, why can you lose that much weight and keep it off? And I can't get my other patient to lose 10 and keep it off. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And it just, it takes you into a deep rabbit hole of <clears throat> habit formation. And uh, I, I've taken courses from BJ Fogg and my dear friend, Judd Brewer, and I'm just learning so much as possible, learning from people like you and in the field. And it's just, it's been a quite a ride. It's been amazing to apply that in a patient setting and really, really humbling in my end that, we just have to need, we need to learn more, but so how did you come about to start the healthy brain initiative? Because I think that's fabulous. I, I think it was at the core of what we always wanted to do. Um, even when we first started going into the academic world, we went into it because um, we wanted to make a bigger shift, a paradigm shift in the way people thought about health and wellness mm. in general. Um, we both had you know, we were both privileged that we've had experience working in public health. Um, as a medical student, I volunteered with um, Doctors Without Borders. And because I'm a polyglot, my mom and dad taught us multiple languages because we traveled quite a bit. I would get these amazing opportunities to work with different communities and travel. And Dean did the same thing when well, he was at NIH. I, he... I only speak English good. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, Dean. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, he worked with World Bank and with uh, Health and Human Services. And once you're touched it, it, with that perspective, once you um, go into different, uh, you know, communities, whether it's a village or a province or a set of individuals who have their own way of life, and when you have conversations with them, and it's not textbook, it's mm -hmm. not someone telling you what is good and bad, but you experiencing it, experience it firsthand, it stays with you, it changes you to the core. So we were already changed people when we stepped into the this world of neuroscience and neurology. And as a resident, I did a dual residency, um, preventive medicine and neurology. And of course, Dean had his fellowship done uh, at that time when we decided to step into this field. We, um, we were very disheartened with how um, dementia and specifically Alzheimer's was dealt with. Um, patients would come into the clinic. It was all, um, the interaction point was at a very later stage of the disease and it would be essentially diagnosis 
and um, us seeing our mentors um, helping the family understand what the disease entailed and to make some serious decisions about the patient's life from there on. It would be decisions to go to a nursing home, take away their driver's license, take away their financial responsibility, take away all of the important um, aspects of their livelihood for their own safety. And it would be a quite depressing conversation. So patient after patient, patient after patient, that was it. And we decided that that's not why we went into medicine. We want to do something bigger. There has to be something bigger. So after studying more about it and learning more about it, we realized that there's this whole aspect of prevention that is not really introduced into the world of neurology and neuroscience. Mm. And so we coined the term preventive neurology. We looked into universities like Loma Linda. We joined Loma Linda because of the, um, the you know, the Adventist Health Study doing research on cardiovascular disease. And we wanted to see that aspect on neurology. And that, at that very early stage, we wanted to contribute and we wanted to establish our own area of contributing to the communities and we wanted to be the bridge between the uh, echo chambers of science and where people live and how we can connect the two and transfer information and that's how healthy minds initiative was started it was just the two of us we sat down and we wrote um, the background the mission the vision statement and we're so lucky that it has grown so uh so big and so many people are interested and like dean said everything we do goes towards that awesome so when you mention so when someone says the this healthy brain initiative what in the you know when you put the boots to the ground what does that look like so what does that look on a day-to-day -day basis what's actually happening whereas you know it's versus a, a statement saying this is what we'd like to do but how are you actually implementing this in the communities yeah so it's actually Healthy Minds Initiative. And, and, oh, I'm sorry. And, no, 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 that's fine. Um, the, um, the scientific word would be brain because there's no distinction between brain and mind. Right. But we included mind because in, in public perspective, mind includes other things like depression, anxiety, and things of that nature, which we address right. as well in substance abuse. Um, so uh, the, the way it works is it's a, quite a new model of approaching this. Very, very new model. It's not very much brick and mortar and, and HR driven. It's technology, uh, social connectivity, research, and community driven. What does that all mean? So at the, at the interface of that, those four elements. The technology we have now, and we've actually, because we lead this largest brain health initiative, we are actually uh, been able to validate a tool, a you know digital media that can capture lifestyle change as they go forward. We're talking about nutrition, exercise, stress, sleep, all of that. So going forward, we also are implementing cognitive tools that measure cognitive change as they're going forward. So that all of that is digital. We already have it. It's our own, you know, it's, it's validated. Um, so it's not like something we created. That's so you, whenever you validate something, you have to compare it against the gold standard and um, show that it has good what in science it's called Kappa value. It's uh, perfectly superimposable or closely superimposable. So we have the cognitive tools that plus coaching. So from that community, we bring coaches that take 15 to 20 people each and they go forward. So there's coaching, there's technology, and then there's a community where they meet us once a week, well, once a week, basically for Q and A, but also for a community gathering and those community gatherings then break up and there's much more to it. But all the elements that have been shown to work in the past, now we've actually implemented it in this way. And by the way, this would be a multi 
hundred million dollar study if it was an NIH study. Mm. The two of us are doing it on our own, with our own funds, with our own yeah. initiative, with technology and everything else. So. Mm -hmm. We're very proud of it. And, and a group of very, very passionate, oh, good people. Amazing people. So I shouldn't have said just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, 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 a, a, it's, a it's a teamwork. It's community. And it's, you know, we've just kind of um, set our feelers out there and people connect with us who are very passionate about the cause and they become brain health ambassadors in their community. And so mm -hmm. whatever funds that are raised in each community is spent on that community too. So it's a very transparent model of people who really want to make a difference in this world. Awesome. And so, and where are these communities? So when you have a coach and you're, they're working with individuals, are these remote or are these gonna be people more in a local uh, area where they can meet up in person or how is that actually structured? Although they don't have to be local, but we're keeping it local at this point, just in case people need to meet in person as well. Uh, but most of the meetings because of COVID are now online. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the teaching is online. We've already done hours and hours of uh, coaching training on, on videos that they can have uh, for free. And they come in and all this, the, the cognitive tool, which is an hour of cognitive testing is for free. Um, all the data capture, everything. Um, so um, most of it is online, but we're keeping it local. For example, we have one population in Arizona. So we have an Arizona-wide initiative. We already have about, I think, 10 to 15 coaches Correct. that are taking on people, just started, and they're they're going to start as well. The, the faith-based commu uh, communities, the African-American faith-based communities starting in LA, but will expand throughout the nation. And then we're just in the middle of conversations with New York to, to do a New York wide uh, initiative as well. But again, if people are interested and they want to come on board, um, yeah, we can define the, you know, circumscribed where they, they, their delineation is, their denominator is, and then we can work with them, create communities and grow around where they are. And, and, and the beauty of that is we're not their doctors. We're not the patient, the, the popular. We're going to give information in a science-driven way, information mm -hmm. and the tools and resources to watch the change, behavior change, mm -hmm. and then the cognitive outcome changes. That's that's the that's the whole point. Amazing. So, how does someone reach out to you if they're interested in doing something like this? Our website is healthymindsinitiative.org. We have a very open volunteer section there and they can contact us anytime. We're also on social media, Healthy Minds Initiative on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and that's the main way that we've been communicating with everyone. Uh, our own personal social media is sharesimd. That's right. So sharesimd.com, yeah. but, but in either way, um, if, uh, and by the way, your talents, it doesn't have to be just research. It could be across the board. If you can help with social media, if you can help with fundraising, whatever it is. And by the way, coming back to fundraising, we're so proud that 100% of the funds go back. So there's no, the overhead, we'll, fi we'll find other ways to, to spend, find the overhead. So mm -hmm. there will be transparency that if you've spent, if you've raised $1,000 in Arizona, all of that goes back to Arizona. In fact, in Arizona, we've doubled their funds. Actually, more than double, we've paid out of our own uh, to, <laughs> to support. By the way, all the courses, which usually have, there's a cost to it, all of them are free. All the teaching, everything else is for free. Wonderful. And so can they also, now do they need to be part of the community to download the digital platform? Is, is yes. that when they have access to it? Okay. Correct. And then if, 
And if there's someone who's, let's say in Arizona, who's looking to join one of the coaches, do they also go to that same website and you'll help direct them in that direction? Absolutely, Absolutely yes. Okay. Absolutely, Perfect. love that. Uh, uh, if, if people want to start it in other communities and a community doesn't have to be statewide, right. we have some feelers in Texas and, and, and other places. And I think the way we've started it, this, this movement can rapidly expand. So um, if you're interested, if you're, especially if you have management background, remember everything is management at the end of the day, leadership and management. Management is knowing how to do the things that people know. Leadership is traversing into the unknown. So uh, those two, if you have those backgrounds, please join. We are not owners of this. We're not, we're just guardians of this. Uh, that sounds like a movie. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah, we're just helping. <laughs> Well, it is the unknown. So <laughs> that's fabulous. Um, so I think that's wonderful. And do you have physicians networking with you, referring people or in that regard as well? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, I don't know if I'm telling something. So we're, we're working with uh, ACLM, hopefully to expand this American College, American of, College Lifestyle of Lifestyle Medicine. Medicine. Yeah. We, we're very good partners and, and other physicians who want to come in and join and, and help out. Oh my goodness. We would love to. Um, uh, we are not, uh, there's a lot of noise out there in the, in the, in the lifestyle world and in the plant-based world and others, there's no noise here. <laughs> we, we don't need the to message fight. Is clear. The message is clear. There's no need to fight over small little things. If we can make right. the world 10% healthier, that's way, way more than any other endeavor that's taken up um, so far. If we can work yes. with other physicians, uh, that would be amazing revolution. So please, if you're physicians, uh, contact us. If you want direct contact, dean at healthymindsinitiative.org, Aisha at healthymindsinitiative.org. Okay, absolutely. Well, I maybe I'll talk to you guys because we we launched Anthony as a, my business partner, um, plant-based telehealth, and we're in all 50 states currently. We'll, we'll have about nine doctors by the end of the summer. And so... We just celebrated our first year and um, almost 2,000 patients. And so I think it's it would be pretty cool to see something like that. And uh, we'll definitely be uh, reaching out and seeing what we can do to help you or uh, however way we can figure out would be would be an awesome thing. We just uh, launched a special program with Plant Pure to bring in really affordable kind of meal starters to help people jumpstart into a healthier plant-based diet. So I can see there might be lots of cool ways we could help each other. So. That's Absolutely. incredible. Absolutely. That's incredible. Awesome. All right. Awesome. This is very exciting. So again, unto the unknown. <laughs> yes. Um, but I really also want to, if you, I'd really like to just talk a little bit about what is exactly Alzheimer's. Cause I think there is a lot of confusion when people mention a lot of different things about dementia, memory loss, Alzheimer's, and they kind of clump it together. Could you give us just a little bit of a, a short explanation of what those different things might be, maybe even speaking to other diseases mm -hmm. um, where you can have some dementia components like Parkinson's and things like that. Could you help us kind of figure that out and help people understand what they should be looking for if they're at risk or seeing symptoms that they're concerned about? Of course. Now yeah. I'll start and I'll, I'll let Dean actually talk about some of his research too. So dementia is the umbrella category, which um, essentially um, points to 
a condition when people have difficulty with their cognition, not physical disability, but cognitive disability to the point where they can't really do their activities of daily living anymore. It could be memory loss, it could be difficulty with processing information, etc. And then there are multiple different types of dementia. Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. 60 to 70% of all dementias are Alzheimer's, but then you have vascular dementia, Parkinson's dementia, Lewy body dementia, frontotemporal lobe dementia, and these are you know just different percentages of, of the rest of them. But Alzheimer's and dementia is used synonymously because it's the most common type. And, um, uh, unfortunately, the numbers are, are very scary in the United States <clears throat> alone. There are 6 million people living with Alzheimer's disease. Every 64 seconds, someone is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and it is the third leading cause of mortality. They say it's the fifth, but we think that it's an underestimation because a lot of communities never seek help for this. They, they consider having memory problems as a part of aging. Um, and um, it's the number one cause of death in the UK and in Japan. And it's soon going to be number one in the United States as well if we really follow the standard of care and not do anything about it. The cost is astronomical. Mm -hmm. The cost of Alzheimer's, the, uh, <clears throat> let's, let's give a comparison. <clears throat> the second costliest disease is heart disease at $120 billion, roughly. Uh, all cancers combined are about $70 billion. Direct cost of Alzheimer's is $304 billion, $305 billion. Indirect cost, another $240 billion. Wow. So together, that's more than $540 billion. And that number is rising, whereas the, in the other chronic diseases, we're actually surviving. So it's the rise, but in, in uh, Alzheimer's, it's rapidly rising. So uh, it's projected that the direct cost of Alzheimer's in the next 20 years will be more than $1.1 trillion. Oh Combined would be more than $3 trillion. I mean, that by itself will collapse the healthcare system. Right. That's financial cost. The social cost, the human cost, the family cost is absolutely bewildering because people are not prepared for something like this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they start losing their, you know, their, their homes, their finances, their, their, their family, because the chaos of the emotional um, component, um, uh, people have to stay at home and lose their jobs. It's just absolutely de devastating. And we're not addressing it. What's more important to us is, by the way, very important point. There are people out there that are making the claim that they can reverse Alzheimer's. There's another Alzheimer's book that says that they, um, based on 10 patients, which nobody, nobody ever saw, that they could reverse Alzheimer's. Nobody can reverse Alzheimer's. Once mm -hmm. Alzheimer's is fully on board, nobody can reverse it. You can affect it, you can slow them, but, but even then that's questionable, the amount of change you need to make. And by the way, a lot of those books point to vitamins and vitamin concoctions and some deficiencies. They do 50 tests. And as a researcher, as a director of research, I know when you do enough tests, you'll find a positive blip. It's just a natural law of mm -hmm. bell curve. You'll yes. find things outlier. It doesn't mean it's abnormal. And that's how they get you. By the way, everybody out there, if you're going to these private clinics that say, let me do 50 tests, they'll, the reason they do that is because they know that one of them will stand out. For anybody, it would, under normal circumstances. And they say, oh, there's your abnormality, and here's your bucket of vitamins that will address that. And mm -hmm. by the way, and we've seen people from the, all these other places come with $40,000, $50,000 worth of spending on vitamins yeah. and, and other things. Yeah. The answer to these things so is sad. not vitamins. Yes, certain vitamins should be checked. 
vitamin D, vitamin B12, you know, that, that kind of stuff, the common ones, right. thyroid level, hemoglobin A1C for glucose, lipid profile, Absolutely. and LDL. maybe C-reactive protein. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that's basically it, the common things. If we address the common things, which actually, by the way, insurance will cover, we will have taken care of 80 to 90% of strokes. I as a stroke specialist, dementia, everything. So you don't have to go to the unusual subcategory of IL-6 or, you know, such and mm. such. Um, it's, it's the common things. And, and, and it's rarely the abnormalities. Yeah, there are some B12 deficiencies that we have to address, not just the plant-based world, everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to address vitamin D, which is very common now, vitamin D deficiency, not just uh, in, in Pittsburgh where I grew up, but even in California where I am, yeah. vitamin D. Yeah, you have to, but that's not going to be usually the usual cause of your cognitive decline or even the fogginess, which are actually the tellers of what, what can happen. The more common things are cholesterol, glucose, and 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 uh, you know and and stress and blood pressure and things of that nature, mm. and we'll talk about those things in a bit. So by just addressing those things, we can affect cognitive decline, which is more important because it's more ubiquitous as we get older, uh, which will then definitely stop Alzheimer's from coming. We say that as much as ninety percent of Alzheimer's could be prevented. By the way, that was so controversial a while ago. Yeah. Well, no longer. Uh, now, America, uh, Alzheimer's Association International Conference in, in their plenary talks at all oh, 60% and plus. But that's with their interventions, you know, general interventions that are nominal. Um, so we are very optimistic that if we can apply just basic approaches to communities, we're talking about stroke, which kills 700,000 people. Well, close to 800, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and, and dementia, which affects more than 6 million people, if we can affect that by 50%, forget about 90%, we will have turned healthcare system upside down uh, overnight. For the better. For the better. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like that turtle. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure everything will be for the better that we can do to change the, the system that we're in currently. That is amazing. So let's dive into what your prescription would be um, for someone and when you're looking at the 30-day Alzheimer's solution, what does that entail exactly? Because I, I love your acronyms and everything that makes it very easy to focus. Thank you, Lori. Uh, at the cost of seeming you know, a little um, gimmicky, we were a little uncomfortable with the whole 30-day, with the whole neuro. But I think it's important for people to realize that the 30-day doesn't mean that at the end of the 30-day, you're going to be completely fine. It's just the start of a journey of taking control of the elements in our lives that can profoundly affect our brain health. And um, and, and that's what we try to uh, disseminate, this information. Yes, the word Alzheimer's is very scary. Yes, it's on the cover of our books and you know we call ourselves specialists in that disease, but people need to understand that it's not a one point disease you know alzheimer's or dementia doesn't happen overnight it's having years and years and decades and decades of abnormalities in our bodies or pathological processes that are going on that eventually culminates in us not being able to think properly and losing our cognitive prowess and if we take care of our lifestyle not only are we going to stave off this incredibly scary disease, but we're going to be able to improve our brain health, improve our focus and attention. And when you improve your brain, you've improved your, your life because we are our brain. It's, it's how we perceive things. It's how we interact with individuals. 
Um, and th the process starts very early. The disease process starts very early. We actually have evidence that shows that um, the pathological processes exist 20 to 30 years before the symptoms manifest. And um, yes, you know, NIH and, and other um, scientific organizations have focused on the disease specifically. Mm -hmm. So they find out about it very late and they've been focused on these, you know, incredibly myopic uh, aspects of the disease, whether it's amyloid beta protein or tau tangles and all of these grants and the incredible amount of clinical trials have been focused on getting rid of those proteins. But when you look at the process, say 10 to 20 years earlier, it's abnormalities in blood pressure, mm -hmm. in glucose, in lipid management, mm -hmm. um, things like stress, things like lack of exercise, things like yeah. smoking, like yeah. too much alcohol that actually brings on those, you know, uh, downstream effects. That's what we're trying to say. Instead of focusing on the disease process, we need to actually shift and look at what happens upstream that brings about the disease. And, and in, in our work, in our research, we found four major processes that bring about these changes. It's inflammation, oxidation, glucose dysregulation or energy dysregulation mm -hmm. and lipid dysregulation. And these things are, you know, they sound very um, sciencey and wonky, but when you look at it, what is it? It's brought about with eating bad food or too much saturated fats or processed food. It's brought about when people have um, poor sleep hygiene or they don't move too much or they are overweight and they don't really take care of their metabolic risk factors. And so if you change those things, if you uh, bring about the importance of nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep, and optimizing cognitive activity, which is you know building cognitive resilience, 90% of the disease can be prevented. So yeah. that's what the purpose and the core message of our work is. And we've talked about it in our uh, first book and now the 30-day Alzheimer's solution. And, and the acronym that Aisha built beautifully is NEURO. Yeah. Uh, it's self-serving acronym, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> a neurologist. neurologist. So N is for nutrition, E is for exercise, U is for unwind, R is for restorative sleep, and O is for optimizing uh, mental and social activity. By the way, none of them are significantly better than the other or more important than the other. They are prof they're all profoundly important. So our approach is not, um, oh, just eat blueberries and you're going to be fine. No. It's going to be it has to be a comprehensive approach but here's the good news though the way we approach this comprehensive approach is in a way where we create small incremental successes that become habits that become personality that become culture in a family that become a movement in a community and that's the book about mm -hmm. that this this entire systematic process where people can inculcate and own the small bits of change you know habits are what drives us 99% of our actions and thoughts and emotions are habits. Yes, all three of those. Emotions, thoughts, uh, and behaviors are habits. Even our political beliefs are habits that were laid down early. We're just building things around that just to keep those solid. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully people are fearless and can push those boundaries. <laughs> right, but, right. But, but, but reality is that's, that's, that's habits. Now, I tell people, do you really want to be stuck with your teenage habits? With all that dysfunction, with all those fears, with all those, oh my gosh, you don't want to know me as a teacher. Yeah. But, but the oh. one thing people should do is get a tool to control and direct and manage and own better, beautiful, healthy, 
both psychologically healthy and physiologically, physically healthy habits. Mm -hmm. That's what this book is about. And that's actually what the movement is about. Healthy Minds Initiative. I, it is, you're literally speaking to the choir. I love this so much. Oh my goodness. Okay. So when we're talking, what have you found with, I know you're both behavioral uh, specialists. So what have you found to help people initiate and stick to these type of habits that you're discussing with the nutrition and the sleep and the exercise and stress management? Because people, I think feel so overwhelmed and they're like, you want me to do what? Yeah. So how do you enter into that conversation with someone anywhere in, yeah. in a community setting and a patient setting with the doctor in the room? How do you approach that I'll start and then, uh, sure. yeah. So, so, and the, there are many models of behavior change, psychosocial models and others, but at the first step for all of them is the person has to believe that there needs to be change. Uh, sometimes a movie, a documentary or a personal experience or fear or data will actually bring you to that first step. Most of the time it's a story, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's always, we're, we're, our minds, our consciousness is built around stories. Mm -hmm. Our consciousness is built around stories. So, so having said that, once the person comes, we, you have to get rid of some myths and some dysfunctional language and dysfunctional words. For example, the word motivation. I, I consider the word motivation the, the most demotivating word because what does that mean? <laughs> if it's not measurable, if it doesn't have a denominator, if it's not certain, what am I? Am I like Tony Robbins waking up in the morning every morning doing this? You know, that's, I'm, I'm a motivated person. Aisha is a motivated yeah. person. We grew up in a very motivated family. Our mothers, my mother was a, you know, um, we lost her this year to COVID and, uh, 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 but, but she was the most motivated person. Yeah. So, so some of that transferred to me, but many mornings I wake up and boy, am I not, I'm not motivated. So if you're counting on an emotion to be there, to push you, it's lost. <laughs> Amen. So it's not about a motivation. It's about small incremental directed steps of success that checks off a dopamine box and you build enough of them and it's a movement. Now you own motivation. Mm. Motivation doesn't own you. That sounds like Tony Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next part is words like moderation. Yeah. What oh, is, that moderation is a word people use to try to get out of doing things. Yes. You know, I up, yeah, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I played soccer, football, tennis, uh, and I ate meat seven times a day. Yeah. Three of them was probably beef jerky because for some reason in every store there was beef jerky in Pittsburgh. So salt and, and those, those companies are smart. They're giving you evolutionarily addictive survival foods, not thriving foods. Evolution didn't care about your thriving. Yeah. It just cared about you running away from the bear, finding a mate, hopefully reproducing and then dying. <laughs> Beyond that, it didn't care that if you live to 40, 50, 60, 90, you know, but I want to live longer, right? I want to well, thrive. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> moderation is a impediment to that. If I ate meat seven times a day, what is moderation? Four times, is that any better? So throw away moderation. You've identified the optimal. Mm. That's it. You identified the optimal. Agree on an optimal. And then small incremental successes in that direction is so empowering. Mm. It's about progress, not perfection, but progress has a direction and progress has measurement, smart measurement specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. Mm -hmm. That's the direction. So those two things, some of the other medical things to get rid of is that uh, the cognitive decline cannot be prevented. We give them the data that shows that that's not true. Not only is that not true, the regular curve of decline that starts in your twenties for those 20 year olds who you think you're immortal 
that fog, that loss of focus is that aging process. Right. You Absolutely. can actually show that you can, you can go down, continue down, or actually increase your cognitive capacity. Why? You have 87 billion neurons, one quadrillion potential connections, one times 10 to the 50th power. And all we use that for is the Kardashian show. Really, we can do so much more with this brain, especially if we give it the right environment. Not that I'm, I, I, I like Kardashian. It's hilarious. Yeah. No, really. It's They're okay good. If you They're don't. fine. It's They're really good. okay if you don't. It's okay. Yeah. Or AGTV, <laughs> let's just say. You know all those, those shows. Yeah. About I, I, now we, I just want to make my enemies list bigger. That's no. no names, Dean. No, no names. names. No names. <laughs> but no uh but uh, we get so, your drift we get your drift yeah. no if the kardashians come and become plant-based and uh, lifestyle based and sure. oh my god with their platform they're we're on really board. going to make and, a difference there's yeah. no judgment it's at the point of change everybody has a past the point of change today is the is the person so the point being this overpowered brain we're really not optimizing it in fact the opposite direction we're giving it mm. every meal you have can make your brain or break your brain. So imagine 30 years of bad food, 30 years of Twinkies, 30 years of 40 years of beef jerky, 50 years of steaks and oil and all of that stuff. That brain is destroyed. And we see the effect of it, not in ICD 10s. There's no recording of this, 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 this diagnosis anywhere, but white matter disease, mm -hmm. white matter disease because we yep. have thousands of MRIs. Yep early white matter disease is ubiquitous in 30 year olds, 40 year olds. That means you're having micro strokes early on, but nobody's recording it. Mm -hmm. Only if somebody sees it for some other thing. So you're reversing that damage. And then now you're giving it beautiful, clean, complete food in a, a whole food plant-based way. You're exercising, which increases blood flow into the 400 miles of brain vasculature. It gives it growth hormones like BDNF with every exercise. You're managing your stress, not, you know, in a very systematic way. You're creating sleep spa in your bedroom instead of paying for a spa somewhere else, you know, and then mental activity. The combination of that is so powerful and it's free mm. and it's free. That was brilliant. Oh my goodness. Okay. So <laughs> I, I think that was great. I mean, if honestly, if just people just listen to that segment, they're going to change lives because that's one thing as a family doc, I've always loved children, right? So I went to medical school with three little kids. They were five, three, and 10 months when I started. And now they're all in their twenties. Daughters, a doctor will be in two months. And it's just, you're looking at how you raise these kids. And it was really a child, a 16 year old that actually led me down the path of being plant-based nine years ago. And um, when she went on a plant-based diet with her mom, because she mentioned her mom told her mom told me in a visit in Western Colorado. So this is rural you know, Colorado is just like West Texas. If you've ever been to West Texas, it's the same thing. Yeah. And the town was called Rifle. You should get an idea of what, you know, <laughs> what, that was the environment. Wow. And um, and she mentioned meat and dairy upset her stomach. I said, stop eating meat and dairy. But to make a very long story short, I hadn't discovered the plant-based diet yet. She came back in 30 days and her daughter went on the diet with her. And she goes, you tell Dr. Marbus what you did. She goes, well, I did the diet with my mom. I felt so good. I stopped both my ADD meds. I was like, you did what? <laughs> blew my mind and uh that's where it all started and you go down these rabbit holes and then you do things like this and so you're it, it's it's so important that we look at these kids and these families and I, that's what i love about your ideas about the community initiatives it's just so yeah. empowering um i mean it just must be such a joy to hear stories 
of people and lives that you've touched and the ripple effects um, that's ongoing. Oh, it is. It is. It's um, it's actually a very selfish endeavor. You know, people, they're, they're so kind and we have a lot of individuals who are connected with us and they, you know, when they come to the clinic or they, we are on a zoom call and they think us. we say, no, it, it, the joy really is ours because you, you see how your work and your message is making a positive effect. And I don't think there's any greater joy than that. No. Um, no. So just to be in this field and to know that we're making a difference is huge. And we're so grateful for it. Yeah. I call it veggie crack. I told my patients, like, listen, this is, this is our deal. I tell you to eat vegetables, you yeah. get better. I get my little dopamine fix and we keep doing it. Then we're really good. So that's pretty much what we need to keep doing. Cause I need my veggie crack every day. So I, um, I, 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 now we're going to steal, steal that. Yeah. Well, that's, I love please, that. Please we'll do. Credit every time. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, but it really is the most, most phenomenal feeling. And I think this is really a cure for burnout for physicians. Um, when we look at, you know, why patients um, come to us is we go into medicine. Well, the majority of us go into medicine to heal like you, your work and our work are doing. And when you're in traditional practice and you're following all the guidelines, your patients continue to decline. You may slow it a little bit. And again, I'm always telling my patients like, listen, medicine is very important. The lifestyle and marriage of medicine at times is, is amazing. You can put yeah. all the factors in your, in your court to improve your health. And um, some of those conversations can be really interesting with, you know, with uh, whole food plant-based zealots, I call them. And they're just like, I can't do the medicine. I'm like, oh, okay, that's all right. But at least you know what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's just such a joy. And, you know, I would like to know if you've worked with physicians, because I think we're probably the worst patients and the worst people to take care of ourselves, because we just have this, this thing in our head that we have to put ourselves last and our families and our relationships. And we touch so many lives that I, I think we lose touch to the fact that we really should be controlling and can, our own environment and taking care of ourselves so we can be a beacon of light and hope to others. Do you guys have any special initiatives with healthcare workers or anything mm -hmm. like that? We do um, have it with some medical students and residents at Loma Linda University. Um, you know, uh, Laurie, I don't know what your experience has been, but every, every physician in the department is given an opportunity to talk about their field and their specialty. Um, and uh, basically, uh, I'll let Dean talk about his, but you know, I was given the opportunity to talk about the importance of nutrition and prevention and health. And uh, there's there's a section where you know it's all about nutritional deficiencies. So we have this curriculum to talk about nutritional deficiencies and neurology, but it comes down to like you know vitamin deficiencies. I've completely changed that and turned that around into the abundance of unprocessed whole food plant based diet and its effect on brain health, rather than focusing on say B12 deficiency or B6 deficiency, which is a very very small topic and it doesn't really affect a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So yes, we do take that opportunity to talk about it, and I think just going through this pandemic um, has paused everyone on their tracks and mm. made them realize how important it is to take care of themselves. Um, like you mentioned earlier, physician burnout is mm -hmm. a real thing and we're in touch with incredible physicians who have just had it because they mm. see the limitations of their of their potential and their, their resources to help individuals. And uh, yes, I think the conversation has to be brought up over and over again and there's not enough there's not enough going on no i fully agree you're absolutely right we've had 
physicians and, and major universities, Ivy League universities, who've done a master's and then, you know, and then they went and worked in uh, ICU. And so we were in contact with, with some of them and they were about to quit. I'm like, imagine somebody like that who went through that journey to get themselves to the Ivy League university in the ICU. The, the, the amount of work is insane. That didn't burn them out, but this COVID area almost had, I mean, we had dozens of doctors oh, yeah. almost quitting, Yeah, you know, wow. just quit. And, and the other part is the reason that doctors, especially doctors are, well, hopefully it's changing a little bit, are not uh, so focused on lifestyle is they're actually forcing themselves to become incredulous and non-believers about lifestyle. Because mm. you go through four years of college, you go to four years of medical school, four to seven years of residency, four years of fellowship for me and then other things and stuff and so all this time it's disease-based isn't it disease uh -huh. disease 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 and you come out as leaders or expectation leaders, and that's all you know and then somebody says oh no 80 percent is here that dissonance that discomfort makes you want to fight that makes you want to avoid that ignore that and even in yourself push it away my my uncle was a cardiothoracic a surgeon trained from uh, trained from uh, Johns Hopkins. Wow. Uh, so for this is a guy who opened up chests. Uh, mm -hmm. He his practice was in Pittsburgh. Um, uh, opened up chests and and you know fixed vessels. Back then, it was mostly uh, opening up chests and not so much coil. Yeah. And if you would have told him food, he was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh. Or lifestyle. There was no question that he would. He would not even approach that. So there's a little bit of a resistance because <clears throat> the journey that we go through as physician is counter lifestyle. Right. It is all at the point of disease. So if you're so invested psychologically to switch that investment takes incredible. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to call people not courageous, but it takes an incredible shift in, in paradigm. Um, so we have to bring it up enough and enough and enough. That's where the culture thing comes in, mm -hmm. where all of a sudden physicians in large numbers start accepting this and, and the American call, call well, yeah, ACLM it's happening. And thousands ACLM is, of people are growing by, I mean, by year, we have to mm -hmm. give them a lot of credit, you know, the plantrition project and the ACLM specifically spreading this message into different clinics and PCRM, hospitals yeah. and PCRM. Mm -hmm. My gosh, there's a, there's a list of these amazing organizations yeah. who are, um, you know, showing uh, doctors and people who are in the, the science realm that, this is based on good science, on true science, and that it's evidence-based. And just as uh, as we are inclined to um, recommend medication and procedures, we should also be talking about prevention because otherwise we're not doing our job well. Absolutely, and I can't agree even more. It's, it's interesting. So when I switched over to a plant-based diet nine years ago, well, I ended up doing it eventually overnight, so a bit of a <laughs> over two week period. Um, brought it to the three teenagers. The the home life was one thing, but then how did I introduce this to my practice? So ACM had just started. I didn't know it existed. Thank goodness for Dr. McDougall. He had a few articles, and it was a trial and error of working with patients who were willing to do that. And so that's the beautiful thing about ACLM and the Plantation Project. They're giving you some guidance to get you started. But the doctors. So as we grow our plant based telehealth, I we have had at least 50 doctors that we have talked to um, who wanted to join and they're, or they're just entering into 
understanding lifestyle, med- you know, the lifestyle medicine and they're so excited or they've been doing it for a while and now they can actually work with patients who are interested and want to collaborate with them to get healthier. It's phenomenal to talk to them and listen to their stories over and over. And I wish as we grow, we want to expand and be here for anyone who would like to do this and make a living and be able to sustain themselves and help people the way they want. But it's been quite an eye opener to see such joy return to people who are like, you know, I was just so depressed and this so frustrated, but now I see this and it's great. And they just need some help on how to navigate forward. So I think that's, they're doing wonderful work. Absolutely. I, I fully agree. Uh, one thing though, we have to be careful at, I mean, uh, there's there's some chaos in the in the in the lifestyle world and and the plant based world and fighting over small things. Oh my gosh, um, yes. um, uh, Or people keeping things for themselves. Your entire population in the U.S. is three million. Really, that's what you're fighting for. There's seven <laughs> billion people out there to help. Right. The more we get together, the more we synergize, the more we work together. Right. The, the more you will grow the denominator. Forget about your financial denominator. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. The more you will help the world. We've had people actually record us under the table to get our protocol. I'm like, really? You don't have to record. We're gonna name that in those names. So the big names. Wow. I was like, you don't have to do that. Here, <laughs> you know, I mean, take, it. take it. You know. So it's 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 very small minded of people. We we gotta collaborate. We gotta work together to grow this endeavor right. and help the most people. And and I think it's important. Um, to say that, um, you know, science is not perfect. Sometimes even lifestyle is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have enough information that mm-hmm. kind of gives us a vector um, to show us what's good and mm-hmm. what's not. And right. we're all open to learning. If tomorrow something comes up and kind of says, you know what, what you've been saying for the last five or seven years has not really been accurate. We're all open to change our perspective, but thank goodness that we have enough information to change healthcare, even by 10%, like Dean was saying earlier, that's where the focus needs to be. Right. Absolutely. And honestly, I I agree 100% because I you just have to be open to know that you don't know everything. And I think that's the just being humble enough to be able to accept that is like, of course, I can't know everything, nor do I want to know everything because that's a lot of burden. Right. The one thing to that I always, you know, remember is that when just like you're describing um, people who want to do this, that's the frustrating part. They're so confined in a in a career setting as a physician that's where we saw an opportunity to help physicians reach the patients. And we're trying to make this as affordable and moving forward as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to bring about a practice setting um, with insurance not always paying. And then, you know, so then you have physicians who have tried to do this. Like when I started, I did a lifestyle medicine clinic outside of my normal hours in the Mm -hmm. evening. And, you know, you can only do so much of that, but there was such interest that it's hard, not hard to walk away because you just want to help everyone you can. And we have to redefine what it is also to, what are we reimbursing? We're just reimbursing more of these um, procedurals, you know, for example, my daughter, when we talked about her classmates, so there's 180 fourth year medical students and where they matched on last Friday. And, you know, the most brilliant minds in that class, and they're all brilliant. You got to be brilliant to go through medical school. Like they're amazing young people. I keep saying kids, but they're young adults now. Yes. I guess 27 is a young adult. Us, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. And when you're looking at them and they're like, yeah, they were top of the class, they're AOA, 
my daughter's AOAs too, but she's chosen to do family medicine, which I appreciate. But they're like, well, they go to Derm. And not that I'm saying that Derm doesn't have its place and it's wonderful, but they're like, well, they'll make the most money. They have the best lifestyle. But I'm thinking to myself, where we need these family practice doctors, these pediatricians, these OB-GYNs that are, you know, they need to be able to be successful in sharing this lifestyle message and be able to live a life this is like they would with anybody else. And so, but it's, it's just really frustrating on that end because I have an MBA in uh, health management organization. And so you see this, it's just really frustrating on that end. So that's what we're trying to fix is the delivery of the care in, in an affordable manner. Um, I agree. That's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough one, but we all have our spot. And again, I, I want to be appreciative of your time. I know we're running up on the time. We could keep talking forever, but thank you so much, everyone. And you guys are incredible. Could you share us with us what, how we can find you, where people should be reaching out to you? I know you mentioned it earlier, but I'd just like to say that again. Thank you so much, Lori. You're, you've been you've been very kind, and it's been I'll such be a pleasure model. speaking with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we we're available on social media. Uh, we're Shares IMD on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We read our own messages, by the way. So it's always a pleasure to connect with different individuals and communities. Our website is sharesimd.com. Our new book that just came out on Tuesday is called The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution. All the profits and the proceeds go to the Healthy Minds Initiative. Uh, so it shouldn't be difficult to find us. One, one amazing thing, although there's very little time for this, but uh, if people sign up to this, uh, get this book by tomorrow night, they'll, uh, they'll get a, access to an incredible course for one month uh, that goes with this book in April. And during that month, we're there every day there are downloadables, there are courses, there is a Harvard uh, uh, sleep doctor, Oxford uh, um, stress doctor, um, um, two behaviorists and a, a three nutritionists taking them through this journey. So sign up to the, get the book uh, in the next couple of days. Okay, Actually. so that, that means that I'm going to take this recording and I'm going to have my middle kiddo, Jonathan, who's responsible for <laughs> editing and have him put it out today so that Wonderful. we can have this this incredible opportunity. So that was wonderful. Thank you so much Thank again you. for everything that you're doing and um, huge fans. And um, thanks everyone for listening. Please share the message of the Shares Eyes um, and save a life. So thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you could, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast. We really appreciate the feedback. In addition to this, I did want to let you know that we actually do video recordings of all of our interviews. And if you'd rather watch them, you can check out our YouTube channel at Healthy Human Revolution. There we also have other resources for you. One in particular I'm really excited about is called The Doctor's Inn. That's where I actually answer questions from the audience and do tons of topics like cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, and just things to help you stay well. So check it out. and. Also, don't forget the HealthyHumanRevolution.com website where you have all the resources you need to actually start and sustain a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet.